Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. And now here he is with his entourage waiting outside in his old, dirty, dinged-up pickup, Dr. History. Good morning, Zab. You're just bragging. <laughs> well, let's not go there. Okay, okay. all right. <laughs> okay. How are you? I'm doing great. You were gone last week. Yeah, we went up to North Idaho to Coeur d'Alene to see my daughter, spend a week, and... You know, every time I drive through that uh, western Montana area, just when you talk about big sky country. I love it up there. And as I drive through there, I'm thinking, this looks exactly like it did several hundred yeah, years ago. Did you go through Victor, Montana? No, we went up through Dillon and oh, up okay. that direction. I but I think of Chief Joseph and the oh, Nez Perce. Yeah. How uh, did they do what they did? You know, I, when we came back, th- there was kind of a ground blizzard going on, wind blowing, snow and I thought, and again, I thought about those, the Indians, you yeah. know, and, and making their trek. Anyway, yeah. beautiful country. Love it up there. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about another Indian tribe. And, Zeb, I'm going to bet you've been to the thriving metropolis in Nevada of Winnemucca. So many times. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So we're gonna, and there was a chief name. Well, that don't, don't steal my thunder. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to rain. <laughs> so here we go, all right? 1864, 20-year-old Sarah Winnemucca. That was her name. Ah. She was a Paiute Indian, stood on the stage of the Music Hall in Virginia City. And as the audience arose, their applause was thundering, praise for this young lady. Her father was Chief Winnemucca. What year was that again? 1864. Really? Yeah. And Sarah and her father were there. They hoped that a presentation would kind of mend the tension between the white settlers and the northern Paiute Indians, as well as maybe get some food and clothing to keep the Paiutes from freezing to death that winter. It was the beginning of a journey that would take Sarah on a, a journey of I mean, destitution and sickness, and she attempted time and time again to bring understanding between the two cultures. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, so Sarah Winnemucca was born in 1844 near the Humboldt River, just prior to the great gold rush uh, in the plains of California. Uh, Captain Truckee, the Paiute chief, was Sarah's grandfather. Well, they named uh, Truckee, California after yeah, him. right. Yeah. And he actually, as, and we've mentioned this before, the Indians a lot of times helped the whites, uh, more times than what they uh, they hurt them. But anyway, Captain Truckee even served as a guide for parties heading west, and he considered the white man his friend and peer. Well, uh, Sarah spent her early childhood beside her mother and other Paiute women and children traveling miles each day, gathering roots, herbs, and wild seeds to flavor the fish and, and ground squirrels. I know that's one of your favorites. Oh, man, I just crave yeah. those gophers. And and large uh, game. And then an, another one of your favorites, Zeb, is uh, crunchy delicacies of roasted crickets and oh, grasshoppers. I'll tell you what, Deanne and I would walk <laughs> naked in the hailstorm to get those crickets. Hey, this is a family show. I- <laughs> Anyway, grasshoppers and crickets, yeah, they're great roasted, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, on I, I might would try one. But anyway. So you the, don't know what you ate in Africa. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, you know, the Paiutes, they were hunters and gatherers, and they weren't really 
uh, prone to settling down and doing and farming. Yeah. That was not yeah. their thing. But the Paiutes kept their past alive by relating ancient tales. And one of the myths uh, is the story of what they called the cannibal owl, who would snatch naughty children, pound them into a pulp, and eat them. Is one of their typical. What lectures. a nice bedtime story! <laughs> yeah. You're sitting around yeah. the teepee trying to get your kids to go to sleep, and yeah. you tell them that. Yeah, you say you better go to sleep, or the cannibal owl is going to get you. Oh my goodness! Anyway, but you know when uh, when her father first described the white men, Sarah believed that that they might be people that would eat them, and so really? she was really afraid of, of white people at, at the time. No, which kidding. a lot of them were really because yeah. they'd never seen them. Been Did around she them. really know Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, as the white miners and the settlers got further into their territory, Sarah's people learned to avoid the newcomers, and encounters usually ended in tragedy for the unsophisticated Paiutes. Uh, one incident, uh, Sarah's mother, Tubatani, and other women were gathering seeds when a band of white men approached. And as Tubatani ran, little Sarah and her cousin were lagging behind, and they weren't able to keep up uh, with, with the adults. So... Rather than endanger the entire band, their mother, Tubatani, actually dug a hole in the sand and ordered the two little girls into this kind of little ditch or little hole. And then she pushed dirt on top of them and then spread sagebrush over their heads to protect them from the sun. And she left and told them, I will be back. But she, they kept running. Well, so here's this little girl, Sarah, with her cousin. You know, afraid to death that the white men would find them or coyotes or, you know, what's going to find them? Well, uh, all of a sudden she heard some rustling in the bushes. And, and here's what she said happened next. She said, at last we heard some whispering. We did not dare to whisper to each other. So we lay still. I could hear their footsteps coming nearer and nearer. I thought my heart was coming out of my mouth. Then I heard my mother say, tea is right here. Oh, can anyone in this world ever imagine what were my feelings when I was dug up by my poor mother and father? Was this in the what we know now current Winnemucca area? You know, it's I'm not if it's exactly there or somewhere in the northern Nevada, California area. So anyway, so. Uh, Sarah's grandfather, as I mentioned, is Chief uh, or Captain Truckee, and he ruled the Northern Paiutes uh, compassionately. Like I say, he guided whites into California. In 1851, he took a contingent of Paiutes to California to learn the white man's ways. I think he kind of knew what was coming, and so he was, I think, trying to prepare his tribe for what he knew was going to happen eventually. Mm. But anyway, they sound like a real peaceful tribe. Right, they were. Yeah. So, but you know, after returning to their homeland, Chief Winnemucca sent uh, Sarah and her younger sister Elma to live with a guy by the name of Major William Ormsby, who ran a stage depot. And then, that, at that time, that was part of the Utah Territory. So, so they trusted him as a white, right? Yeah, and the Ormsby's taught the girls to speak and write English, and in return, Sarah and Elma worked in their store, helped with household chores, and were companions for the for the little kids. And what town was that? Well, in? it was in Utah Territory, so I'm not sure really where that was. Okay. But the Ormsby's kindness toward the two girls during the year they lived with them pretty much uh, alleviated some of the doubts that Sarah had about the white people. Um, 
and they thought the whites were savages, you know. So it, there was a learning thing on both sides. Yeah. But it may have been during this time that uh, she acquired her English name of Sarah, and her sister became known as Alma, because uh, uh, that was not their Indian names. Mm-hmm. But by the winter of 1858, the influx of white settlers had devastated the herds of the, you know, the game, the fish, the plants, the seeds, the, all these things that the Paiutes relied on to sustain them for the winter. And then, of course, you know, you and I have been there, the winds that howled and the snow that drifted. And, you know, the Paiutes were forced to ask for assistance from Virginia City uh, citizens. Right. So we're over there in the kind of the western uh, Nevada, kind of northern California area. You know, did the Paiutes, I'm interrupting you here, but I know you're so smart you can cope with it. Uh, Did the Paiutes and the, I forgot the name of the tribe all of a sudden in northern California, they had a big war there. Uh, I'll think of it in a minute. Did they join? The, the Modocs. Modocs. Did they join forces? Not that I know of. I see. Not that I know of. But uh, anyway, they needed clothes and food to make it through the winter. And But as I mentioned, she was pleading with people and not getting any results. A lot of people froze or starved to death. Mm, that's sad. Well, you know, the following uh, winter brought little relief and even colder temperatures. Well, old uh, Chief Captain Truckee, uh, he was kind of sensing that death was coming, and he cre- requested that uh, his son, Winnemucca, and Tubatani, the mother, send Sarah and Elma to school in California. So, again, he had some foresight uh, wanting his grandkids to learn, you know, English and some of the things. They weren't relegated to a reservation, well, were they? Well, eventually, yes. Ah, yeah. okay. But uh, anyway, so they did. They went. They went to San Jose. But after a few weeks of school, the white parents objected to their children sitting next to the Indians oh, and insisted that they leave. Well, oh, boy. the white settlers, the prospectors, and businesses now dominated the West. Virginia City uh, boasted a white population of almost 15,000, and they wanted the Paiutes off the good, productive land, which historically that's what always happened. Yeah. You know? So the natives were already restricted in where they could hunt and fish. So there was somewhat of a, not really a reservation, but a restriction, I guess you could say. But the white population wanted to determine where the Indians could live, pledging to provide food, clothing, farming equipment if the Indians would stay within their reservation boundaries. Uh, None of this ever materialized. Now, Chief Winnemucca Winnemucca was now the the chief because Truckee had died. And so this was his son. And he took uh, this to the people of the, the citizens of Nevada. And as I mentioned in the beginning, he walked onto this stage in this music hall with his daughter, Sarah. Wow. She interpreted, and they basically were saying, hey, we need some help. We need food and we need clothing. We're staying where you want us and to stay. And this was way back in the 1860s. 1860s, yeah. yeah. Well, the Paiute group continued on to San Francisco, and they made another plea before an audience there. And, uh, you know, they were well-received by the the white population. But, uh, again, nothing came of it. Nobody did anything. Nobody did anything. No. Well, in 1865, when Chief Winnemucca and his men were on a hunting expedition, a cavalry troop rode into the Paiute camp and accused the Indians of stealing cattle and killing two white men. Well, they refused to believe the Indians didn't do this and there was bad things happened oh, they killed uh, one of which was uh, Sarah, uh, Sarah's mother oh. Tubatani oh, and uh, you know here they are a peaceful tribe yeah. and 
unfortunately, a lot of times the cavalry would say, all Indians, if one Indian attacks us, they're all guilty. Yeah. And that's not true at all. And this happened you know, I, I'm again. I'm, it doesn't say exactly where it happened, I see. but I'm going to guess still up in the Nevada, California area. Okay. So, anyway, conditions on the reservation become unbearable. The Paiutes were desperate for food and clothing. Uh, tempers flared between the whites and the Indians. Uh, the summer of 1868 brought no relief to, for the destitute Paiutes. So Sarah and her brother, whose name is Natchez, went to Camp McDermott, which was near the Oregon border. Been there. Okay. So you Many know times. kind of where we're talking yeah. about. So. So they There's were got- nothing there, <laughs> hardly. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but they were trying to get assistance from the Army. Well, recognizing her ability to speak several languages, English, Spanish, and various Indian dialects, the Ar- Army hired Sarah as an interpreter. Really? And Natchez, her brother, uh, with the promise of protection and provisions for his people, was sent to bring in Chief Winnemucca, his dad. Okay. Wow. So that was a little sticky wicket. Yeah. So July, around uh, 500 Paiutes chose to relocate, relocate their camp to Camp McDermott rather than starve to death. So they were doing everything they were asked to do. And they'll starve to death at McDermott, for yeah. Pete's sakes. Anyway, Sarah believed her people could become productive farmers if taught how to plow and to sow seeds. So, again, they were doing everything they could. Uh, in fact, here's a, a letter that was sent uh, uh, it says, so far as uh, by, uh, let's see, uh, by Sarah, uh, she says, so far as their knowledge of agriculture extends, they are quite ignorant as they never had an opportunity of learning. But I think if proper pains were taken, that they would willingly make the effort to maintain themselves by their own labor if they could be made to believe that the products were to be their own and for their own use and comfort. Okay, so she's saying, We'll, we're willing to learn yeah. if we can have it for ourselves. Well, once again, nothing ever request uh, in San Francisco resulted in anything. False promises, undelivered goods. Well, while they were still at Camp McDermott, there was a guy by the name of Lieutenant Bartlett. Kind of caught Sarah's eye. And so they it was illegal to marry an Indian woman in Nevada. So they went to Salt Lake City and got married. Mm. Well, this Bartlett guy was a real gem. He, uh, you said that sardonically. <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. He deserted from the Army, which oh. is not a good thing. First class guy. Yeah. He tended towards the uh, the uh, liquor. No. Oh. Okay. He was a boozer. He was a boozer. The marriage was over within a year. Oh, anyway. My. Well, the poor girl, what'd she do? Yeah. Well, we're going to keep going here. I figured, <laughs> we're not done. I figured you would. <laughs> so 1872 now. The Paiutes were relocated uh, to... To this reservation by Camp McDermott. So they, they moved the whole tribe there. To there, yeah. So now they're on a reservation. Now there was an Indian agent by the name of Sam Parrish and his wife. They were well-liked. They took care of the Indians. They were honest. They did everything they could to to be a good Indian agent. And this is at what's now McDermott. Right, okay. right. So because he... Uh, I guess got a reputation of being too nice to the Indians. Uh-oh. They relieved him of his duties. Oh, my. Gave them another uh, agent by the name of Reinhardt. Well, he didn't like Sarah. Never trust the guy. <laughs> so, And he, Reinhardt, blamed all the problems he encountered on Sarah's insistent for fair treatment of the Paiutes. He refused to pay them for work they performed and withheld the food and clothing, uh, claimed Sarah was disloyal, threatened to put her in prison. Now, this is a, a young lady that had served as a guide so the, for the military. So the Indian agent, per se, this Reinhardt, basically yeah. there was nobody above him they could complain to? I don't know. 
but it didn't work. And oh. actually, to make things worse, he banished her from the reservation, told her to get off. Okay? So now we're 1878, another year. Uh, Paiutes begged Sarah to help their starving families, and realizing that assistance had come from the highest power of the land, she decided to go to Washington, D.C. Where did she get the money to do all well, this? Well, I don't know. You know, she just decided, you know, they lived off the land. I fig- I guess she just thought, I can make it to Washington, D.C. Wow. Not that far. Okay. So yeah, it, we're only talking 2,900 yeah. miles. So she made it as far as the Oregon-Idaho border, where the Bannock tribe... Uh, they were as bad off as the Paiutes. They rallied against their uh, the oppressive Indian agent that they had. And with war pending, Sarah returned back to her people. She thought, I better go back. So she went back to Winnem- or, uh, uh, McDermott. Right. Now, Chief Winnemucca refused to join the Bannock uprising. Okay, the Bannocks were going to war. Well, in retaliation, the Bannocks went and captured Chief Winnemucca and held him hostage. Well, when Sarah learned about this, uh, she offered to go help get him, you know, get him free. So uh, she went with a, a General Howard again as a scout and as an interpreter. And nearing the Bannock stronghold, Sarah uh, and maybe a couple others crawled on their hands and knees. They got into the camp of the Bannocks, and they were able to lead. They actually had more than just Chief Winnemucca. They had about 75 people. Wow. And Sarah was able to get her people free from the Bannocks. And not get caught? And not got caught. So, And after that, she actually continued to serve under General Howard as an interpreter and a scout during the rest of the Bannock War. She would go in and out of the, the enemy camp. She would steal their plans, uh, and intercept their signals, uh, aided in capturing some of the Bannock warriors. I mean, she was a, a great help to the, to the military. Yeah. So anyway, so 1878 now, another year. The Bannock War is over. The Army, however, considered, and I mentioned this, all Indians prisoners of war regardless of the tribe. Well, the Paiutes were ordered to Yakima Reservation in Washington Territory. Long. So now they're going even farther north, 350 miles farther north, in the middle of the winter. Okay? Blankets, worn-out shoes, middle of the winter. Now we're January 1879, uh, they're heading over there, 50 wagons, uh, crossing the mountains of Oregon and Washington. Mm. People died, froze to yeah, death. really. Uh, and once again, the Paiutes were promised uh, clothing and food. End of the journey, what awaited them? They had an unheated 150-foot shed, okay, no firewood, very little food. So imagine all these people, here's a 150-foot shed. Up at Yakima. Up there somewhere, and they're supposed to go live in that. Wow. So they got a little bit of the goods. They got some shawls and a little bit of fabric, but everything else had been sold to the highest bidder. You know. Anyway, she uh, eventually taught school in Yakima. She was determined to help her people. Uh, he, she decided she was going to go back to Washington, D.C., and uh, she actually did make it back there, but still nothing became of it. She ended up getting married again uh, to a guy named Hopkins. Uh, <laughs> Not so lucky again. This oh boy, guy, two-time loser. Two-time. This guy liked the gambling halls and the saloons oh and my. imbibed in a little of the the alcohol. Yeah. So anyway, Liz, uh, she actually made friends with some people that 
uh, arranged for her to go make, go do some uh, uh, lectures. Right. And she actually did some lectures and absolutely was able to make some money. She actually did speak before Congress. A bill was passed giving each family 160 acres of Nevada land. It was not good land. And it been you know most of that had been gobbled up by the the miners, but anyway she died in 1891. She was only 47 years old. Mm. You know she never quit fighting for her people. Uh, I would imagine that a lot of the Paiute tribe members today are direct descendants. Yeah, they, that live right there in that area. As a matter of fact, I know a couple of the families there. I'm very, very good friends uh, with a couple of the families, and I did not know, nor was I aware of that story. Uh, I'm going to have to ask them about that. Yeah, Sarah Winnemucca. I mean, uh, an amazing woman that. Against all odds, you yeah, know, really. finally made it to Washington D.C. and and still didn't get. I wonder. Very good I wonder. I, I know one family in particular. I'm going to call them and ask them about their heritage down there in that area. But I wonder if there was any genealogy or records kept or anything as far as their ancestors well, from you know, that period of time. Right, and of course, a lot of it was word of mouth, you know, yeah. passed down. Yeah. But I'm thinking as we got into maybe the early 1900s that a lot of those stories were still fresh. Right. And well, were, yeah, we're only talking about 30 years or. So. Yeah, and so I, I'm I'm sure that things were written down. Yeah. And that would be amazing if we could find the actual... See, I, we said on this program one time, it'd be really neat to follow up some of these stories with people that absolutely were the ancestors. Exactly. I would love... You know, oh, if, if we have any listeners out there that uh, have some information, just get on my webpage and send me a message. Absolutely. Because I will follow up on it, I promise. He will, folks. He will. He's very diligent. <laughs> I, Thank you, Dr. History. You're welcome, Zeb. You have a good day. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.